And they don't sit there and pretend like they do know. They say, please help us. Please help us understand. They do listen to you. When they have their computers open, they're really not just Googling or doing homework or whatever. They're reading emails from you, from teachers from their district. And I can't tell you the number of times I would get an email from a board member. One of my teachers is asking this, will you help me understand and help me explain it to her? So their hearts really were, God bless you. <laughs> that kind of sneeze calls for a God bless you. Then the TEA staff members, toward the end of the process when we made friends and, and realized <laughs> that we were on the same side, really on the same side, they are doing their dead level best to get us what we need. And, and their box is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. But all of them are trying. And so when it came down to it and it was down to the wire, TA staff said, please, to Victoria Mead, please come in here and help us make sense of this. We are getting all this information that we need to make these changes, and we don't know what to do. So they really were, like they weren't just like renegade making decisions. So I wasn't here when Ms. Miller spoke this morning, so I don't know what she said, but I hope it was good. Um, what the big thing I want to say to you, the takeaway I want you to have is the time for complaining, griping, saying what doesn't work is over. We had years, literally, to do that in the revision process. The time now is to really dig in deep and say, what does this say? How can we make it great for teachers moving forward. How can we equip our teachers? How can we make sure they have every resource they need to make this good for our kids? So it's, it's truly not about us. So if you don't like it, like start getting over it. Build your own little bridge, you're, you're going to get over it. And I'll say this, not one person got their way all the time. Not one organization got their way all the time. Everybody involved had to compromise. And there are things in there that I wasn't for. I didn't advocate for it. But at the end of the day, you have to make compromises to get a really good document. And I think when you do that, you get something really strong. So I will say I am proud of what was done. And I hope that you will join me in that effort too. So please look at, there are several documents in that Google Drive file. So I uploaded all the strands just in one, like 20-something pages. But then to make it easier a little bit, I uploaded strand by strand so you could pick one. So what I want to do now is give you about five minutes to just get your eyes on some standards. Because you're going to need some for something we're going to do in a little bit. So just take some time to pick a strand you want to really just study. Pick a grade level you want to study. Pick an SE, like across vertically you want to study, just pick something and then we're going to take about seven minutes, I'll put on some fun whole music and you're just going to read and study and kind of get acquainted with it. Is that good? Yes. All right.
And we want our presentation to be what you need from us. So as we go through the day, be thinking about what is it, what information do you need, what resources do you need, how can we help you do uh, your work at your schools. Another big question is, how is instruction going to have to change? And I've, I've talked to lots of supervisors over the course of this day and, and even back when I, was, when I was at State Board. And what I hear often from supervisors is, I'm having a difficulty getting my teachers to understand the need for them to change what they do. So like that's, that's a task for us to figure out. How can we really get them to understand there has to be a change in the way we um, teach? There's the bit.ly for the feedback form, and I'll put it up again at the end, but if you want to just jot it down or scan the Google, it just goes to a Google form, and you can submit it 86 times if you want to. Mm -hmm. While you're writing that down, would you, the, most of the rest of what I'm going to do is like, just teach you some things, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Not that you don't know some things already, but like at the core of who I am, I'm a teacher, and so that's what I want to do. And so what I need you to do is establish a partner. This person is going to be my partner. One of you needs to be an A, and one of you needs to be a B. You gotta have a partner. B, A, B, from Beth. moving forward. One of the things my teachers say in my district is, oh yeah, we do that all the time. I'm going to ask them about, like, talk to me about your lesson on themes or characters. About, oh, I do that all the time. Right? So then, they, like, you look at their lesson plans, they have 86 standards listed in their lesson plan. Like, how can you possibly, oh, well, we talk about that. So what, what I, I'm, I'm calling for a change to say, you are leading, really, you're leading for one thing. Right, like you're leading for this. And I do agree that in the backdrop is everything else. But we have to be intentional about what we're leading for and what we're teaching that day. So be, so be watching as I do this. So I'm going to be leading for one thing, but you'll see that all those other things are really the backdrop for everything we do. And I think that's really what teachers mean by we do that all the time every day. But I think what we have to do is be really intentional about the one thing, okay? I didn't do a lesson completely on thinking, uh, but it is in the standards too. So Peg Hill, I haven't seen Peg today or yesterday, but that was her, man, that was something she advocated for 
to have thinking in the, in the strands, and, and she got it, and it was, so you'll see reading, writing, speaking, listening, and thinking. She kept saying, we have to think, we have to think. I was like, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> <laughs> so the board members, they were coming over, do you think it's a good idea to put thinking in? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I think we can let them think. <laughs> I think it's a good idea. Could it hurt? <laughs> Just dump your thoughts real quick on a piece of paper. About 30 seconds. What's the message?
have some verbal, some, some verbal messages. How did that add to or change the message you heard before? Real quick, just write some thoughts down. 30 seconds. A, be prepared to share what you think is the message. Partner B, I want you to listen and ask a relevant question. So a relevant question would sound something like, tell me more about what you think the wolf's role was. A uh, relevant question would be, tell me more about what you think was happening in that little thought bubble that he was having. Okay, an irrelevant question would be like, what are you doing after she stops talking? <laughs> okay, all right, so partner A, tell your message. Partner B, ask relevant question, go. So you probably did this, but in my classroom I would say, partner B, share what you think the message was, and this time, partner A, I want you to make a relevant comment. A relevant comment sounds like this. You get what I'm saying. So notice how I'm leading for listening, asking relevant questions, making pertinent comments, right? But how much other was going on in there, right? You wrote, you read back what, so all of that was in the backdrop of what we were doing. And you had to think, like, important. Okay, let's go to speaking. This is one of my favorite quotes from Vygotsky. He says, thought is not merely expressed in words, it comes into existence through them. And that is so powerful to think about. Thought isn't just expressed in words, it comes into being through them. Giving our scholars the opportunity to speak gives them power. And that really is what education is all about, right? The transfer of power. So they have power over their own language. They have power over their own lives. So this idea of speaking, we do this a lot in my school and a lot in my classroom. Oral rehearsal and debate, really thinking about, I need to talk it out. And I do it all the time. When I'm getting ready for a presentation like this, my poor husband has to sit and listen. What about this and this? And then you say it out loud. Like, as you say it out loud, you go, oh, yes, that's a good idea. Let me get that in there. And so our students have to have that opportunity. And I'll say this. In our testing world, these are the standards that we push to the side. Because if you'll sit down and shut up and read this passage and answer these multiple choice questions, we can get through this thing, right? So, like, we got to stop that. They're not going to get better if we don't allow them the opportunity to speak. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm giving you two positions. Well, here, here's the standard, right? Advocate a position using anecdotes, analogies, illustrations, all the while employing eye contact, speaking rate, volume, and enunciation. So this is for an eighth grader. So think about advocating a position and what you're, going to, what you're going to use to do that. Here are two positions. We're going to just take these two. Uh, you decide if you want to be position A or position B. Got a preference? Then I'll continue being A. It says, violence is learned in the home. Position B, violence is learned in the neighborhood. Okay, you have some evidence from the video that we watched earlier. 
So what I want you to do, just take a minute and think about, I am taking position A or B, whatever it is. What evidence can you use from the video to bolster your position? Take about just 30 seconds, your position is down, and then I want you to think about the evidence you could gather for that. Ready? Jot it down, 30 seconds, go. somebody who's chosen the same position as you, okay? Somebody around you who has the same position. And I want you to rehearse this debate that you're going to have. So mine might sound something like, violence is learned in the neighborhood. I saw the wolf about to beat up the poor little doe. Is that a doe? A deer? A female deer. <laughs> Okay, so do you see how I state my position, and then I have my evidence to back it up? Position, evidence. So practice with somebody who has the same position. While you do, listen for the evidence that they use and see if maybe it's the same or different. Ready? Same position. Position, evidence, go. Y'all don't need much rehearsal time for debates. You can tell. So I'm going to give you... What I'd like you to do next is find somebody who has a different position, okay? And I want you to share position evidence. Listen carefully. Partner A, share position evidence. Partner B, position evidence. Same thing, but you're, you're different positions. I want you to collectively then decide who had the most compelling argument. Okay, so different positions, A share, B share, then decide who had the most compelling go. What I heard you say were, I saw him leave the scene and retreat to safety like he's seen happen at home. Man, that's a powerful piece of evidence. And then I heard someone say, I think you had the most compelling evidence. Right? I spent too many, too many years with 
from this text. A, who is here? B, who is missing? Go. Okay, she just asked for partner A, what kind of place this is, and B, what kind of place is this not? Jacket. 
I was playing on this sliding board and I took my jacket off and left it on the bench and this boy, he tried to take it. And I said it was my jacket and he said he was gonna take it and he took it. And I tried to take it back and he pushed me and he said he was gonna beat me up. Real quick, right there on your paper, jot down. Who are these people? Like who are the characters we're reading about? sense to me. If my mother hadn't had that look in her eye, I would have protested. Even at four years old, I knew this wasn't fair, but I also knew that look in my mother's eye. A look that signified a line not to be crossed. Quickly write down the conflicts you see happening in the story. Here's what I want you to do. Turn to your partner, rank the conflicts you have written down from surface to deep. Rank the conflicts from surface level to deep. Ready, go. Okay, when I wrote mother to son. Son to son, uh, problems with money, fear. It seems, sounds like there's changing um, community morals. I don't know, I still have a recording. 
section I'm going to read, I want you to think something really changes in this next section. I want you to pay attention to the change. My, my brother Dan was in shock. He felt the same way I did. He tried to protest. Mom, I can't read that boy. It's not my jacket. I can't get it. I can't. My mother gave him her ultimatum. You go out there and get your brother's jacket or when you get back, I'm going to give you a beating that will be ten times as bad as what that little feet could do to you. Ooh. And John, you go with him. Both of you better bring that jacket back here. The tears began to flow. Both John and Dan were crying. My mother ordered them out. Dan had this look on his face that I had that I had seen before. A stern determination showed through the tears. For the first time, I didn't want to go with my brothers to the park. Real quick, go back to your position. Position A, position B. Mm. What evidence do you have <laughs> to support that position? Just jot some notes down under your under your claim. Mm. What evidence do you have? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to read the, the last section of it. Here's here's what I want you to think about as a reader. We're going to push our thinking a little bit and just know that we're going to assume if the author said it, it really matters. That's something readers don't always get. It's like, oh, he said that. No, if he said it, it really matters. So we're going to pay attention to those things the author says and assume that it matters. And at the end, I think we're going to come to this lesson, this theme, this what is the author trying to say to us? I waited a long 10 minutes, and then to my surprise, John and Jan Dan triumphantly strolled into the apartment. Dan had, John ja Dan had John's jacket in his hands. My mother gathered us all together and told us we had to stick together, that we couldn't let people think we were afraid, that what she had done in making Dan go out and get the jacket was to let us know that she would not tolerate us becoming victims. I listened unconvinced, but I knew that in not going with Dan and John, I'd missed something important. Dan was scared when he left the house. We were all scared. I knew I could never have faced up to that boy. How did Dan do it? I wanted to know everything. What happened? How did you do it? Did you have to fight? Did you beat him up, I asked. Dan explained that when he went back to the playground, the boy was still there wearing John's jacket. He went up to him and demanded the jacket. The boy said no. Dan grabbed the jacket and began to take it off the boy. Dan was still crying, but the boy knew it was not from fear of him. A moment of resistance, but Dan's determination prevailed. The boy grew scared, and Dan wrestled the jacket free. He even managed to threaten him, you better never bother my brother again, as the boy fled. Dan's description of the confrontation left me with more questions. I was trying to understand why Dan was able to get the jacket. If he could get it later, why didn't he take it back the first time? How come the boy didn't fight? What scared him off? Even at four years old, I knew I needed to know these things. I needed some clues on which I could build a theory of how to act. Dan's story couldn't help me much. It took many years of playing and hanging on the streets of the South Bronx before I began to put together the pieces of the theory. The only real lesson I learned from the jacket episode was if someone takes something from you, tell your mother you lost it. Otherwise, you might be in danger of getting your face punished in by some boy in the streets of New York City. That was a valuable bit of inf 
understanding for a four-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so how, how stories end often change the message that the author is trying to convey. So think about what do you think is the message, the theme of this story? Be more afraid of your mother than the neighborhood bully. <laughs> I like that too. Because she's almost like establishing okay, I know the training them. How you have to, to go on your own. position. This is the part of the standard that I think is going to be, like I alluded to earlier, this, that is going to be the, the, the most difficult and is the most nuanced in the text. So the English 2 standard says compose argumentative text using genre characteristics and craft. Those are key words. Using genre characteristics means, hello friends, go back to the genre and see what the genre characteristics are. So I've listed those there. And then craft is, hey guys, go back to author's purpose and craft and see what craft moves are there. And so I've listed those there for you. So do you see how it's not just you can take a standard and boom, I'm going to teach it today? Like we, there, it's going to take some work to get to that place where we can understand all of that. So we're going to do a bit of writing. <clears throat> so, so far what we've been doing is claim evidence, right? That's what we've been doing. But what I want us to do today is raise the level of our argument by using reasons. So let's put a reason in before our evidence. So it might sound like this. My claim is violence is learned in the neighborhood. My reason is children are impressionable and they see violence on the streets and mimic it. My evidence is the wolf showed his violent tendency in public for all to see. So do you see how it went? Claim, reason, evidence, yeah? So, so take some time to do that. You have claim, and you probably have two or three bits of evidence. Find a reason that would fit just under your claim. Violence is learned in the neighborhood because, go. Well, I never want to follow the rules, so I'm going to say violence is defeated when um, parents help children learn how to confront the first violence. Because the violence happened in the neighborhood, but the only solution is ever going to be if, if, if it happens in the home. Now, yes, what that young man did was violent, but I don't know. It has to get to a point where I think a lot of us are talking about, what do you do when other people are doing things that are wrong? Mm -hmm. well, I mean, are we just going to stand there and watch it happen? And become the victim. Yeah. Yeah. And by, by watching it happen, we turn into just what that little boy in the video did. He turned into an But if you haven't yet, get with your partner A and B, rehearse your claim, reason, evidence. Just rehearse that with your partner.
place to stop talking at 3 o'clock. Brilliant. Brilliant. Very usable. 
May I use this for follow-up for Reading Academy? Okay, I'll send you a copy. Um, one of the things that I'm thinking about right now is that um, this is to the level of value that we normally have from Victoria. So I would like to transcribe what you said and put what you said underneath each slide, like we used to. You Without know? the penis alley. I'll, I'll substitute a word for that. Just a 215 or two?
have no idea. You know, you, know, you just don't know what's going to happen in that, in that regard. Yes, ma'am, you had a question. Thank you. 